This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived, Hardwood Knox listeners, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to betonline.ag and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 bracket March Madness Contest, starting March 15th. That's right. I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code Blue wire, all one word for your 50% sign up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. What it do, Hardwood Knox people? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario. Decidedly does not think DeAndre Jordan should be starting over Jared Allen in Brooklyn co-host Andrew <coughs> D. Bailey. As you might have gleaned from that introduction, this is going to be a, a net-centric podcast. Uh, hopefully you glean that from the title as well. Before we get started, our usual housekeeping notes. We'll keep them accelerated since this is one of our shorter-length pods. Above all, please continue to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. Those ratings are getting a little stale again, so if you can go on iTunes, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating, write a review, constructive criticism. We will read it, take it into account. Um, if you haven't subscribed, definitely do that. If you have done all those things, Encourage someone else to rate us and subscribe to us. Uh, retweet our promos on Twitter. All that stuff is very much appreciated. You can follow our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com. Uh, search Hardwood Knox. We will come up. Subscribe, like our videos, please. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter also, at Hardwood Knox. Andy is on Twitter, at Andrew D. Bailey. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And as always, please remember to follow the Blue Wire Podcast Network at Blue Wire Pods. Shout out also, as usual, to our sponsors for this podcast, Untuck It and BetOnline.ag. They're awesome and they make this podcast possible. So be sure to use those promo codes that you've already heard from BetOnline and then you're about to get one from Untuck It soon. Andy, how the hell are you? Uh, doing good. I'm excited to dive into a little bit of... Uh... Brooklyn Nets talks. It was uh, very, very unexpected, at least for me, news that we got yesterday, although it sounds like maybe it was sort of expected for a lot of people, but it sure threw me for a loop. It threw me for a loop too. And so this is going to preface this, not a humble brag, but I'm at the gym and I love my early morning workouts on the weekends because I make them long because they're so abbreviated during the week because of my work schedule. And the whole thought process is there. I don't really have the flexibility to get up at 5 a.m every day during the week because sometimes I'm working until three or four in the morning. 
but on the weekends I can, and I'm just like, that's the time where no NBA news breaks between like five and nine in the morning or five and nine 30 uh, for the most part. And of course this just breaks. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So I left the gym and was trying to process it, but it caught me off guard. And I know the nets uh, said it was mutual parting of the ways with Kenny Atkinson and that he and general manager, Sean Marks had been in this dialogue for months. It seemed like it still threw me for a whirl. And as you said, though, you know, from listening to uh, the low post, he, uh, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz were talking about it. It did seem like there were sort of rumblings behind the scenes. Uh, I don't know what, why those didn't get out, though. Like, that's the one thing. And so I'm just curious. Uh, the, the question I have is, I don't want it to be like, what is your general impression of this? But the Nets have, like, essentially said that they're 100% certain they're going to be a title team now with Kyrie Irving <laughs> and Kevin Durant, regardless of how injured. Like they, they might be this season and, and it's look Kyrie, he's had plenty of injuries in the past and this later shoulder thing. It's not something maybe that you're too concerned about long time. It's more about his health in the macro, but Durant is coming back from an Achilles injury. I think there's a high variance in what he can be upon return and to make this decision at all before he came back, let alone when they did on the playoff track in March, it, it's really just bizarre to me. And it also seems unnecessarily risky. Yeah, um, I, I think I agree with all of that. I think bizarre and, un, and unnecessarily risky are good um, descriptions of what happened here. I, I'm i trying to wrap my head around what the decision-making process was, and it's hard for me to think of much beyond – I think it was Anthony Puccio who tweeted that you know some players wanted him gone. I can't think of a logical reason beyond that. Now, Lowe and Arnovitz made it sound like maybe it was more on ownership. Um, but I'm, you know, there, there certainly are meddling owners in the NBA, but I'm not sure it would be motivated entirely by ownership. I would, I would think that players would go to ownership maybe, or players would go to management and, and, and express their concern. And maybe that spurs ownership to push for it. Um, it's it just there's a lot going on here. The fact that he's a good coach, they fired him with 20 games left in the season. They're going to go to the playoffs. Um, now things are kind of up in the air for next season. And I'm with you. I don't think it should be a foregone conclusion that they're going to be a title contender next season. And I've kind of th been thinking that for a while, even before this news broke. I, I, I you know, a nagging thought whenever I thought about the Nets was, will they ever have a title window? Um Kyrie Irving, like you said, has kind of a laundry list of injury history at this point. And I think it's fair now to wonder just about his durability in general and the Achilles tear. We do this every time a big star suffers this awful injury, but you see the list of players who've suffered it. And it's really hard to find anyone who came back to what they were. I, I think one of the best examples of like a semi-successful Achilles recovery is Wesley Matthews, and he's I, – I don't even think he's close to what he was before no, the not. tear. And, and it's Kevin Durant's in his 30s. Um, he, he was nearing whatever a decline might have looked like for him anyway to compound it with a torn Achilles. Um, it's scary. And, and, and even if Kevin Durant comes back and he's like 80% of what he was or 85% of what he was, he's a great player. And Kyrie Irving, when he's healthy, is a great player. Um, but there are basketball questions there. There are health questions there. And then the big one is there are off court questions too. Um, I, I don't know if malcontent is a strong, is like too strong of a, uh, 
description of Kyrie Irving, but I think a lot of people around Boston might might describe him that way with what he did with the Celtics. His time in Cleveland without LeBron wasn't great. Um, there's already been issues this season with the Nets. There was the whole thing earlier this year when he was calling out players about how they needed better teammates to compete. Um, and then Kevin Durant obviously had his struggles uh, in Golden State with with the notoriety of his teammates and the burner accounts and the podcast appearances and all the rest. Maybe he's just more honest than we're used to from professional athletes. And certainly we shouldn't see that as a sin. But th- this is a long-winded answer. But basically, it's kind of a whirlwind in Brooklyn right now. And I think firing the coach, one of the only, you know, clear pluses to me in this situation, um, just adds to all that. Yeah. You covered a lot of ground there. Um, yeah. What a I, agree with, <laughs> Sorry. I agree with basically everything. I want to get to the, the breakdown. I want to get to like the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, like aspect of it in a second. But what you mentioned about, um, whether it was ownership that made the decision or the players, it does seem like, the players were involved to some extent because I, I don't know who reported this. I know Puccio had uh, the, the fact that some players didn't want him there. And I'm not sure, was it Woj? Was it Sham? Someone had that um, Joseph Sai made the decision after speaking with players. And so where I land on this is we know that Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie wanted Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn. And you're yeah. not going to make a LeVert's decision. Coming. What was yeah. that? I was going to say, Karis LeVert's comments specifically, I think they spoke to him after practice, made it pretty clear that he was surprised. Right. And so if you're not taking into account what they felt, the only other people on the roster worth talking to and holding that opinion in such high regard would be Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. And so that's why I don't want to pin it all on them, but I also don't think it's unfair to say that they played a hand in this just because Mm -hmm. it's common sense at this point. Now, had one of them said, or both of them said, we want Kenny Atkinson here, he's there. That I won't view as their fault if they didn't go to, to to that degree of support because they've never played for him before. They don't really have these strong ties with him or pre-existing relationships. I don't think it was on them to stop ownership's decision, but if they were the root cause, I just, the, the player empowerment error, we've probably trumped it up a little bit too much and it really only benefits the, I think, uh, Sam Sundiari of uh, That's the Lightyear exactly podcast. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. Yeah, he says it benefits the 1% of the NBA, and yep. this is just an example of that. And so, look, maybe this ends up being the right decision because I think you can argue that uh, Kenny Atkinson hasn't really had to coach a team with stakes before, and if you're the Nets and you know that your title window is going to be only a year or two because this year's done. You're making the playoffs, but it's done. And then I think you have to say that next year's done too, because Kevin Durant, even if he becomes 95% of the player that he was, it's not happening immediately. Maybe it does. Look, I don't want to discredit Kevin Durant because he is by far the best player who has ever suffered this injury. At the same time, you there's going to be some kind of a grace period. And even if he comes back and he's Kevin Durant right away, now he has to learn to play with everybody. These things, with the exception of when he went to the in Warriors, Kyrie because it was such an easy fit, or with LeBron and AD, because they just seem so chemically just on balance together, make so much sense on the court, more so than LeBron and arguably any number two he's had. I'm not saying Anthony Davis is better than prime D Wade. I'm just saying makes more sense with LeBron. These, th- these formations take time. And so your title window is so short that maybe there is value in saying, well, we need to put a head coach that we know is going to command 
the respect of the stars or is used to coaching this way. Now, the flip side to this is the Nets have consistently overachieved under Kenny Atkinson, and they've done so on defense. Look at this roster. Should they be eighth in points allowed per 100 possessions? No. And they are. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just such weird logic to me. And if, if Kenny Atkinson made the call himself, basically, and said his voice didn't matter as much as it once did, was this just an example of, like... Did he, was he opposed to signing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first place because he didn't want to jeopardize what the Nets had going? I just I really fail to understand making this decision before he's had the opportunity to actually coach this team at full strength. If he made the call himself, more power to him because I'm going to ask you in a few minutes what you think the best fits for him would be, and he's going to be coveted this summer when there could be at least five vacancies uh, over the offseason. But from the Nets' perspective, I just don't know why you let him get away because I also don't know who's the guy out there that is coming in and is like, oh, okay, like this is the guy that's going to take them to the next level or this is someone that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to love. Maybe Tyron Lue just because he won a championship with Kyrie. But it's, it's not Mark Jackson. It's not Jeff Van Gundy. Like those are not guys that you want in Brooklyn right now. And you're also probably not going to go – um, off the beaten path to hire an assistant or a first-time head coach when when you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and you just fired or got rid of or let walk out the door Kenny Atkinson. Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Yeah, I don't. they're definitely not going off the beaten path. Um, I asked on Twitter sort of half jokingly who's the most you know Kyrie and KD coach that they could find and I threw Mark Jackson out there um I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that kind of a name I don't know if it's specifically Mark Jackson but I think someone who just for whatever reason has some name value in coaching circles could be who they go after um I think the more interesting question is is the original one that you just sent my way is where does Kenny Atkinson go now because I, I think he's probably better than whatever coach the Nets are going to hire. I don't know if that sounds hot takey or whatever. I just I think he's a very, very good coach in what he was building with. Brooklyn, to me, showed that. Um, and there's a few teams that I think he'd be really interesting with. I, I had, I think, fairly high hopes for the Chicago Bulls before this season started. Now, they just extended Boylan, didn't they? Yeah, last uh, over the offseason, yeah. Because he, so that- he was only there on an interim basis last season. Yeah, maybe that rules out my hope of having Atkinson there. But I, I loved the way, like, 
for all the uh, scrutiny and, you know, it is fair that Garpax gets, I kind of like the roster that they built this summer. I feel like they've been one of the most disappointing teams in the league. And I think with a more forward thinking um, coach, they might have been, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they would have been better this season. So that one was interesting to me. I think the Knicks are an obvious one. Um, Joe Flynn, who writes for Posting and Toasting, used to write for Bleacher Report, told me that he thinks that's just not a splashy enough name for Dolan. Um, so maybe they suffer from whatever Brooklyn is suffering from right now, too. Uh, I think he'd be awesome for the Knicks. Look at what he did for like the the rebuilding Nets who started this rebuild with nothing. I mean, it, they were they were kind of a laughing stock for what they gave up in that Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade. And it wasn't just Sean Marks who rebuilt this thing. Kenny Atkinson was a huge part of that. And so if you had his sort of development first mentality and his coaching abilities around RJ Barrett and Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina, maybe he could get those guys back on the right track. Um, so I think that would be a really interesting fit for him too. But long story short, I think he would be a good hire for whatever team has a vacancy right now. Um, I, I just I think he's a really solid, modern, forward-thinking coach. Yeah, the Knicks make too much sense to me, so he'll probably yeah. wind up elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, you're right. If it's not if he's not enough name power at this point for the Knicks, they uh, sell the team already, Dolan. That's really the only thing I could say there. <laughs> but yeah, if, if the Bulls get rid of Boylan, he seems like a good fit there. Cleveland as well. If they're not interested in in keeping JB Bickerstaff around, they have a lot of young guys there. Going to have another high draft pick this year as well. I don't know what Detroit's plan is with Dwayne Casey. He signed a five-year contract, I believe, and this is only year two. So, But if they're going to enter a rebuild, do they view him as someone that they, they want uh, to steer it? Uh, he, so he, he could be interesting there. I don't think if Houston gets rid of D'Antoni, I think that team is probably like too veteran. I think he's going to be looked at mostly by like these rebuilding squads that might have coaching vacancies. Yeah. Uh, and so... I. Uh, I, I, the Knicks seem like the most obvious fit, but Cleveland um, or again Chicago, if they get rid of Boyland, uh, would be fire for him. What I'm just would you respect this decision on the Nets part more for if they ended up hiring like a a Jerry Stackhouse or a David Vanderpool or a Nate Tibbetts just because maybe they're just thinking outside the box still, or or would that not really change your stance too much on on letting Kenny Atkinson go? Um, it might a little bit, I would still, um, the whole, the whole angle of let's just let Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving run the organization. And like you said there, you know, I, I can't say that definitively, but it's, that's sure what it looks like to me that will always, um, sort of stink a little bit to me, but yeah, if it was, if it was a more outside the box, more forward thinking type of a hire, um, I think I'd be more cool with it. I'm just kind of already mentally prepared myself for it to be someone like Mark Jackson. And maybe he comes in and does a good job. Um, he, he, he established a fairly decent defensive culture with the Warriors. Obviously they found another level when Steve Kerr got there. And I don't, again, I don't think the Nets are going to be title contenders uh, next season, regardless of who they hire, uh, especially not if they bring in like Mark Jackson. That's the name I keep throwing out. Um, Do you think they, but yeah, I, I guess there's, that this gets that's salvaged to some degree, but it's still going to be a little bit weird to me. Do you think that there's a chance maybe he's just coming off two failed situations, but he also seems to have the respect of stars, but David Fisdale for this team, do you think that's a name that could potentially be thrown I, into I, the mix? I actually thought that um, 
in the wake of the firing. That's I, I'm glad you brought that name up. He's another one that I think they could take a look at because it's going to be about who do who do Durant and Kyrie want? I mean, that's that's going to be probably the deciding factor here, right? Yeah, I'm assuming. And now that's the other element of this too is the culture that you built up or claim that you've built up. It's bullshit now. Like you don't get to play that yeah. angle anymore. I was around them for the first two seasons of the Kenny Atkinson era, and they definitely prioritized not just player development, but player like and franchise relationships, like taking care of their families. They have like this this family room, and even though the Nets were losing, uh, it really seemed like it was a great atmosphere there. And it's that's part of what got I would assume Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to go there. Uh, maybe not because they're clearly thinking that they know better if they were involved at all in this, or at least they weren't uh, maybe. And again, maybe it's not on them, but if you're, you know, you have, if ownership did make this call or if they're letting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sort of dictate uh, where the direction that they're traveling before they even take the court together, like you don't get to tout this culture anymore. Like it's, it's over because now you've, you've made, and even if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were involved, now you've bet against your culture because you're saying, oh, it can't, it's not good enough for Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Maybe they said nothing. And I don't, if my gut would tell me that they were at least somewhat responsible for this, not just that they didn't stick up for Kenny Atkinson, which I'm not sure how much obligation they would have to anyway. I, I do think that they were to some degree active participants in this. Otherwise I don't understand it. But even if they weren't, you've bet against your own culture by letting Kenny Atkinson go. And so, or get, yeah. allowing him to get into a situation where he feel like his voice wasn't heard anymore. So that all just, it goes by the wayside to me now. You have to prove it. And you're already in a high stakes situation. It was just more of a happy to be here one, because not only did you sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but you did so when they were supposed to go to the Knicks. And so there are just, there are just fundamental wins there that always would have stuck, even if you never contended let alone won a championship now though by making this decision in the manner that they did however it was made it, like that's just gone that goodwill built up to me is just squandered and, and if they don't end up contending for a title this all looks so stupid to me mm -hmm. do you think there's any chance they would have made this decision without at least asking those guys no they had those you 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 had to ask them. And again, I don't think it was, unless you disagree, I'm, I'll listen to it. I don't think it's their obligation to be like, well, we need to see what this team looks like under Kenny when it's at full strength. I don't think that's their obligation. Uh, and the fact that I agree. ownership yeah. or the front office would have been thinking about getting rid of him at all, or again, letting him get to the point where he felt his voice wasn't being heard. And I'm, I'm not trying to, again, maybe this works out, but I do think that Kenny Atkinson has done well enough in Brooklyn to to have warranted the opportunity to have coached this team at full strength with, I know job stability in the NBA is basically non-existent, but with at least the backing to the extent of we are going with this guy until it proves that it can't work. Yeah. Yeah. I think he earned that too. I, I just, I find it very hard to believe that they would have made this move without consulting Durant and Kyrie first. That's just, I, I think that's just kind of how the NBA runs now um so yeah it was it was definitely a surprise to me and it's i'm they're going to be fascinating next season for a, a bunch of different reasons whoever the coach is well to me it's um, more likely this was the other question that i think made their future so uncertain is is there too much overlap offensively between kevin durant spencer dimwitty kyrie irving and karis levert 
And yeah, not none of them are just like lockdown defenders. Karis Levert can be uh, pretty good on the wings and can get onto some guards. Spencer Dinwiddie can probably guard both uh, backcourt spots at this point. Kevin Durant was like useful before his injury. We don't know what he's going to be after it. And so the question was, would they trade Levert or would they trade Spencer Dinwiddie and other stuff to maybe get a better fit, a bigger name player? And now I think, I know Karras and Kevin Durant, I believe, have a pre-existing relationship. So I, I still think I bet against them trading Karras unless they're, one, blown away by an offer uh, or, or, two, I, I think, I, or unless it happens next season after they realize, oh, maybe he's not the best fit here. But to me, this the fact that they made this decision, and I know Dimwitty was instrumental in getting Kyrie Irving here, it makes it more likely to me that this team does pull the trigger on one of those type moves, whether it's Levert or Dimwitty over the offseason, where they're trying to bring in maybe a player that KD and Kyrie like better, or just one that's better suited or, like or a DeAndre bigger name. Jordan. Yeah, like DeAndre Jordan. That's... Oh, we didn't even talk about that, by the way. I was going to say, we haven't mentioned that yet. The, fa- the fact that that may be an underlying cause, is th- that's big cause for concern for me. I mean, it's it's abundantly clear that Deion, uh, that uh, Jared Allen is the better player right now and that Kenny Atkinson was absolutely doing the right thing by playing him over DeAndre Jordan. And that just reeks of me to player involvement. Um, reeks to me of player moment. I messed up my sentence there. Um, now may, maybe the owners thought, Hey, we're paying this guy $10 million a year. Why isn't he playing more? Maybe, maybe that's, you know, where that side of it came from, but it seems more to me like <laughs> we specifically wanted this guy here. Let's play him. We want to all play together. There, there's the no are playing though. They're not playing. I, I, <laughs> that's what, what a great point. Um, <laughs> the whole thing just, the the DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen element of it is just nonsense to me. I do believe, though, that if there was an issue with that, I don't think it would have been DeAndre Jordan himself having it because he got paid for coming to Brooklyn. Four years and yeah. $40 million, basically. And he's always been, I know it wasn't the case in Dallas, but players and teammates have seemed to like him. It seems like some of the Knicks really liked him last year and Kyrie and KD obviously like him. Maybe this is Kyrie and KD thinking, you know, we took less to get him here and you're not playing him. We want to play together. But the logic just, you. how about you guys play first? And then we talk about whether you can play with DeAndre Jordan instead of Jared Allen. Just if that, if that factored into any of the complaints insofar as they came from KD and Kyrie. Now, I think we're talking like it's a matter of fact. And I think Gestamich will should include that, yeah, it probably is a matter of fact. And so I do want to hedge and say maybe this wasn't the case. However, if they were involved, and if this, if DeAndre Jordan's playing time this season, when those two weren't playing, appeared in a combined 20 yeah. games or whatever it is, that is one of the dumbest ass things that I've ever heard in my entire 10 years covering this league. And even, even if they were playing, the evidence still says that Jared Allen should be the guy getting more minutes. But if, um, like at least the at least the reasoning then would be though, oh hey, Kyrie and KD came here to play with yeah, DeAndre Jordan. Some, yeah, maybe there's some semblance of more logic uh if if they're playing, but it's just the whole thing is very very strange to me. I I'm curious, are, let's set the over under on like when there's reports of internal strife between the star <laughs> players next. Between like Kyrie games? and KD? 
I, I'm going to say 30 games. Do they even get to have internal strife? Like they chose to play together at this point. I think I think they will be fine, but this I feel like opens the floodgates. Throwing darts at their teammates. Well, I think maybe there's issues with, if you were talking with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then other players. I could certainly see that happening now, particularly if what if a guy like Karis Levert was just really attached to Kenny Atkinson? You know, Levert effectively won. I know D'Angelo Russell emerged last year, but he was their best player uh, before his injury mm-hmm. last season. So I could see there absolutely being problems with other players. And the, one of the interesting things to come out of this is that given how many reporters seem to have known that there were issues behind the scenes, but nothing was ever reported, the Nets have always gotten, I won't say unfairly favorable treatment, but the, the coverage has been very positive about them because they've deserved it. My guess is now the gloves come off because yeah, that that could turn a lot in the next couple of years. I think, and I don't think people are going to hesitate to one report some of the unflattering stuff they're hearing, but two now go looking for it. This just opens the floodgates yeah. for that. And you know what? It that's not unfair either because of just the circumstances under which uh, under which this happens. And so whether it was a surprise to insiders or not, I really think this is going to I don't want to say change the way the Nets are covered, but I do think it could, especially if they're, again, not a title contender next season. Yeah, I think it could. And I, I think having Durant and Irving, at least relatively next season, will uh, add to that, too. They're they're going to be lightning rods for some stuff, for sure. The, and, and eventually get like a postmortem on this whole situation, just like Boston did when Kyrie left there. So, yeah, uh, that is true. That was I don't know if you saw the tweet that was going around after this happened, but it was, uh, I think it was uh, Alex Kungu of Hoop Island does a great newsletter and podcast over there. Uh, it was like a Celtics fans uh, when the rest of the NBA realizes they they got rid of two of their locker room cancers from last season because he was referring to Al Horford torpedoing Philly. Yeah. That was, it was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> the final question I have for you is where do you want Kenny Atkinson to land if you had, if you had the pick and why is it the Utah Jazz after they lose in the first round? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, he. I again, I think he'd be interesting anywhere. Maybe he can go be an assistant. He likes Quinn Snyder. Um, I think it's the I Knicks really, for me, by the way, just because I want to see I, someone competent there. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, I love like a redemption arc for a lot of those young guys who've been pretty maligned over the early part of their career. I still, for whatever reason, have like an irrational hope for a lot of these Bulls players. But I just it, it's really hard to see that one happening because they've already signed Jim Boylan. Um, but that would be really interesting to me. I just maybe it's me wanting to be proven right in the end because I love the way <laughs> some pieces fit. Like I really thought Sadaransky was going to be the perfect complement to Levine, and um, I, I really liked Wendell Carter Jr. coming out of the draft. I think I think Kenny Atkinson can get a lot out of a lot of different rosters, but I'll go with uh, Chicago, even though that one's probably not very likely. Uh, what's weird though, is that of the situations that are most intriguing, I don't know. Most of them just have really maligned front office front offices. Like I don't like yeah. Kenny Atkinson in <laughs> Chicago as much, unless the Gar packs model is not just yeah. reformatted to include, it already includes less of Gar Foreman. And I misspoke on the podcast I did last week where I said it includes less of John Pax. And I got the two mixed up for a second. Like you need to get rid of like just change the front office structure. Uh, Cleveland is just under Dan Gilbert. But I, I guess he would probably at least have the freedom necessary to do what he wants on the court from Kobe Altman. But then it's how much, uh, how much power does Kobe Altman have? So that that's probably fine. New York is just a mess 
uh, you know, it doesn't matter. There's James Dolan's there. Like, forget about You're Leon Rose. Leon Rose era? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not out, but I'm just saying you can't go there and expect him to have the – they're talking about trading for Chris Paul in New York. You can't go there and expect Kenny Axon to have, like, the flexibility uh, to develop these young guys when Leon Rose is probably going to trade them for Chris Paul. Detroit might be the best one then if you're looking at just the potential freedom he could have. Um, bonus yeah, question though, of the teams where you could see, are there any of the teams that are more win now that could be getting rid of head coaches this summer? Maybe it's the Sixers with Brett Brown. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Houston if they get rid of Mike D'Antoni. Uh, I don't. It's not going to be. I was making a joke with Quinn Snyder in Utah, but maybe things get weird there. Should. They flame out in the playoffs in the first round. It's not even convincing. But is there like even a – everyone's just so inclined to say, oh, he should go here. But do you think that he could do anything for any of the – just knowing the way he coaches and the, and his defensive reputation, like of, of the Brooklyn teams at least overachieving relative to the talent on the roster? Are there any uh, teams – maybe it's even the Sacramento Kings might strike a nice balance if they decide to get rid of Luke Walton, but they've been playing pretty well of late. So I'm just curious if you see – Maybe it really just comes down to Houston or Philly because I'm struggling to find like another example. But could you do you think that he'd be interesting for either one of those squads or another team that might get rid of a veteran head coach this offseason? I think he should be in consideration for whatever job opens up. I do think he will probably be seen as more of a developmental guy just because that's the track record right right now. I think it would be art for a team. If you know, a team like Philadelphia or, or Houston, if they decided to make a change went after him. But I, I think those teams are going to be closer to the nets in terms of let's, let's get a guy with name value um, to fill that vacancy. I, I think he'd be a smart play just about anywhere. I don't, I don't think there's much in Kenny Atkinson's NBA coaching resume that says he's, he's bad at this. Um, right. Which I think you can do with a lot of NBA coaches. I mean, he just has a really solid resume. So I could see him working in a bunch of different places. I just think most front offices right now will probably view him as the rebuild guy. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I was just curious. I, if, if I had to see him on one of those teams, I might, I think I like Brett, I like Brett Brown and Mike D'Antoni too much. I don't even know. Maybe those teams won't even have coaches. vacancies. But you're right. I think he's just predominantly viewed as the guy who will lead a team that's in transition. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing else on this. I think that, yeah, I was, I was going to say that pretty much uh, wraps us up. Thanks to everyone who uh, I'm, I'm preemptively thanking you for tuning into this podcast because I know that you're going to love it, but we love having you around. And as always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Um, if you've already done that, tell your friends and family too. You can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favalli. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. And as always, we leave you with the shout out to Benno Udry, Kyle Anderson, and for at least one time, Kenny Atkinson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.